So I think a lot of photographers fear that AI is going to automate a process in a way that uh, takes away your vision and sort of makes your work a generic version of itself. But what I'm really embracing and realizing with these tools, especially with Imagine AI, is that no, 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 they build the, the model of how it edits based on your edits. isn't to live forever. The goal is to create something that will. Welcome to Perspective, a podcast for Wengraves, where we sit down often with a special guest and talk about our many years of experience in the wedding industry so that you can learn from us and grow your wedding business. This is a special episode brought to you by Photography Farm in anticipation of Thrive, 2022 happening this March. Thrive is an all-star wedding photography workshop taught this year by six phenomenal mentors and we've teamed up with Farm to bring you six episodes of this podcast so you get to know each mentor a little bit better. Before we welcome Mr. Sam Hurd onto the podcast, Greg, what are we drinking on today's episode? We are drinking some coffee that I picked up from Godshot Coffee. Uh Uh-huh. Really cool looking cafe in Shawlands. Got like sort of Japanese vibes. It's like, all right. It's one of those ones that you're like, is this a shop or a coffee shop? I'm not sure. And <laughs> okay. it's a Diego Bermudez, and it's roasted by Manhattan Coffee Roasters. Easy for you from to say. Rotterdam, actually. Oh, okay. So, so yeah, it, I'll get pouring that. Is Godshot the name? Godshot's of- the coffee shop that I got it from. Okay. And uh, for our listeners out there who don't know what Shawlands is, that's a part of the south side of Glasgow. So um, a local coffee roasters. And we're joined by Sam Hurd. Hello, Sam. How are you doing? Hi, Simon. Hi, Greg. I'm well. I guess I when, when we first signed on here, I guess my comment about making sure I had a cup of coffee really was valuable. I didn't realize you guys were plugging coffee at the beginning of these. So. It was yeah. very and well. Also, you answered my, my first question. Uh, that you are in Glasgow right now. What what part of Glasgow is it? Uh, sort of like city center or whereabouts? Yeah, we're we're pretty much city center mm-hmm. as as central as you can get. Yeah, yeah. That that's where our that's co-working. about the only place I've been. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so yeah. so where Thrive will be happening is only what ten minute walk from here. Ten minute walk. Yeah, yeah easy. Ten minute walk from here. Easy. Um, awesome. Good. Yeah. So, uh, and and where are you joining us from this morning? With your killer mic, by the way. Look at the size of that thing. Oh yeah, this thing is so hilariously large. It's larger than it even like with stand. And this is the AKG. What is it? C forty four. I don't know. It's a great kind of backup podcasting mic. Yeah. But, uh, I'm in Baltimore. I'm. I have a, a row home in uh, downtown Baltimore, in a neighborhood called Fells Point. It's very old, sort of like marine harbor shipping part of town so these okay. row homes used to be like where the the ship workers would live when they were like temporarily in harbor this place is built in like 18 something it's old <laughs> yeah <laughs> but it's it's comfortable uh i have my actual home um is about 20 minutes north of here mm-hmm. it's just a house <laughs> yeah so obviously this is your 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 workspace, the place that you come to, yeah, to edit. Yeah, you know, I bought it because I wanted to. I wanted to do like an Airbnb thing with it or whatever, and then I started using it so much to just get out of the house and 
have an office away from home, I set up like a little recording studio, like a little portable thing. Cause I play and sing like guitar and, and stuff like that. So I've just kind of, yeah, it's just been perfect as a studio, even though it's an actual, it's a house, but <laughs> or a row home. <laughs> I don't know what you call them there. Yeah. Yeah. And is it just you or, or do, do you like share the space with other creatives or? Just me. Yeah. Just I have a, a friend of mine who's also a photographer and occasional podcast co-host with me um nathan mitchell he's a great photographer you should look up his work if you Mm -hmm. uh, don't already follow him uh he sometimes pops over here because he just had a kid and he's more and more (laughs) the only way he's getting work done is to like not be in his house around his his child you know it's like six month old or whatever yeah Yeah. when he can Mm -hmm. so (laughs) that's about it funnily enough because greg has also had a child six months tomorrow (laughs) no six months on saturday yeah Mm -hmm. Um, Congrats. There you go. Yeah, so I can totally relate <laughs> to the, you don't get much work done at home. I come into the office yeah. like at least a couple of days a week so that I can just get focused, like full day of work done. Yeah. Otherwise it's yeah. just trying so as much as you can. This is my theory. This is, this is my theory with Nathan, you know, leading up to it, we were like talking a lot about how life will change when you have a kid and on and on. <clears throat> and it seems like it's really hard to get stuff done, but I actually wonder if because it forces you to create some structure and routine in your life, kind of orbiting everything around this new human in your life, if, if you're not actually perhaps more productive because you're like, oh, I've got three hours, I'm going to knock this out. Versus me, I sit here and I'm like, I've got three hours, should I watch a movie? I don't know. <laughs> so so you, you mentioned you're, you're drinking a coffee there. Uh, do you have any... Uh, coffee bean that you like to drink or no, method no. or yeah i i started to kind of get into that world a little bit and then i was like i just don't i drink so much coffee that i don't have the discipline to like make a proper cup every time so i just go with nespresso uh <laughs> i was the first time i ever had nespresso i was in italy with an italian staying as a photographer and he had it in his apartment i was like what is this it's like is this like a fancier keurig and i hate keurig like the little cups or anything <laughs> yeah. prepackaged like that but he he gave me an espresso and I was like, this this actually, I love this. This tastes great. Mm. Uh, there's an Italian here, so it's got his, you know, <laughs> you need that stamp of approval. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and then I've never looked back. So I just do Nespresso at this point. Yeah. yeah. I've got one of them at home as well. And I I use it because I'm lazy. I'm like, I like the process <laughs> exactly. of making a slow pour over and taking the time. But sometimes just pressing that button and getting a coffee in 30 seconds, that's easier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what what have you been up to recently? Have you been shooting much or what have you been doing with life? No, this I I've been living the past two weeks in the glorious glow of having no editing. Uh so I'm assuming like was the case in, in Europe where you all are. I don't know, maybe not, but the um the weddings through summer and fall last year were full throttle, like uh, you know, constant uh, there was a lot of doubles, couple triple in a row combined with a lot of travel, um, I tend to, um, I don't know, maybe half my weddings I have to fly somewhere, not necessarily like a crazy destination. And actually I'm really grateful. I don't do a lot of international travel because COVID would have totally screwed me, but, um, other States in the U S excuse me. So I did a ton of travel, a ton of editing, and I always had that, you know, I could be editing right now. I should be editing right now, kind of hovering (laughs) over me, no matter what I was doing. It's hard to relax when you have like 50,000 photos in your queue. So, uh, I'm fully caught up and just been kind of basking in that, uh, glow (laughs) and, and finding silly little things to shoot. I have like a lot of little bugs, like moths and butterflies and stuff that, uh, I just 
buy. Uh, you can buy them and they're all like really well uh, propped up. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and I have a couple like cool macro lenses. So I'm just playing around with that. Nobody, every time I post one of those photos, it's like seven likes, but it's fun. <laughs> it's fun for me. It's not about the likes, sir. Come on, come on. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, I've also been not to, and I don't represent these guys or, or have any affiliation whatsoever. I've just genuinely loved this app called Glass. I think it, the website is glass.io and it's, um, sort of an Insta- Instagram as it was. 10 years ago, like really photo focused, okay. shows you the EXIF data if you've included it on your files. So I've been posting a lot there and kind of building up my profile and just kind of engaging in that community. They, uh, right out of the gate, and you know, the downside, if you call it a downside, they charge five bucks a month and to, to be on it, I think they give you a month free, but their entire business model is based on that. And in theory, won't, they'll never need to monetize via ads you know, and, yeah. and expanding to video and uh, everything else that, you know, bad that happened to Instagram. So it's five bucks a month. That sucks. But again, really photo focused. And, um, oh, they have an iPad app too that just launched. It's beautiful, uh, mm. which is something Instagram never did, which is kind of hard. Yeah. So I've been playing around on that too. I wonder if the subscription method will change the way people, like what people post and how people interact with posts. Mm. Because they're like, well, I've Maybe invested it's money into this. Uh, I have noticed the uh, like the feed is purely chronological uh, right. on Glass, the way Instagram used to be, and I have I have noticed that that is sort of uh, like there is some value in the algorithm auto sorting what the best photos are, <laughs> and then like be able to go down from there. Um, almost like you know Reddit. Like if you guys aren't Reddit at all, I'm constantly on Reddit, and it you know there's something really magical about that voting system. It's the really high quality stuff tends to surface to the top. Mm. So I do kind of hope that they implement some kind of algorithmic curation in glass because it can take a little while to like really find some, some good stuff recently. Um, or maybe, you know, just have it as a toggle. That would be nice. Like, you know, curated or chronological, something like that. Yeah. But who knows? Uh, it, it is interesting how subscription models are kind of everywhere now. And, and I don't know, with that I, I got a bill the other day for Netflix, and I'm like, when did Netflix double in cost? It's like, <laughs> yeah. I used to be ten bucks, and now it's definitely twenty. Like, yeah. what the crap? <laughs> yeah. I know yeah, it's getting out of control now. It is. You got to have your Disney Plus, mm-hmm. uh, your Amazon Prime, your yeah. well, well, God, so, so just, many. just uh, all the others. Like, just yeah, there's so much content there, out there. You mentioned Nathan Mitchell and your podcast. The epic podcast we've we've both i think we've oh, both yeah. been listening to it for a while mm-hmm. so how's that going have you been oh, awesome. recording much recently well uh as we were saying earlier nathan had a kid so <laughs> yep. ever since then we were already because of covid like teetering on just what do we do with this we're not shooting for a year like what are we gonna talk about because we talk about whatever we want but it generally orbits around our lives in photography and so once he had uh, his kid, it's yeah. Our schedule is touch and go, but it's still alive. It's still going. We're going to podcast this week and talk about um, a crazy email I got from a client that actually wasn't a client. She wrote this really, you know, long email, basically saying she was totally devastated with the photos from the photographer she hired, who were actually more expensive than me uh, and had way more reviews than I did. But uh, I suppose she did. I don't know how accurate her research was, but she said she did a lot of research and found that a lot of the reviews were fake. And, and I don't know, she just was totally devastated and couldn't, 
couldn't understand <clears throat> why almost no photos were in focus. The exit was just, she sent me a bunch of the pictures as well. And the only reason I'm comfortable sharing this semi-publicly, not that I would say her name or anything, mm-hmm. is because she also posted in a, a wedding photography discussion group that I lurk in, um, also venting and asking like, what can I do? These photos are awful. It's like, man, I'm, I'm so, so sorry. You should have hired me, but <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah. tough because oh, it's no. not like something you can, uh, you can talk about to potential clients. You know, when you're sitting there in a client meeting, it doesn't really paint you in a good light to say for me to sit there and tell you like, okay, so what other photographers are you considering? Um, oh yeah, no, they, they, like clearly they're not going to do well at this time. Like you can, as a photographer, I can look at someone's work and see where there might be shortcomings mm-hmm. and to critique and like criticize other people in the industry. Like you can't do that on a client call. Yeah, it just yeah. makes me like, but I wish there was a way I could tell clients like, give me the other list of who you're considering. So at least I can tell you like, definitely don't go with <laughs> X or Y, you know, whoever. Yeah. Anyway, it's an interesting topic. Yeah. Suddenly, so suddenly all your um, industry friends are going to be very nice to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't, uh, I don't know that many local photographers here, like on a personal level, other than no. my, my friend Nathan, but that's only because I met him in uh, university. Yeah. before photography oh yeah yeah. Uh, i kind of keep my distance because i don't i don't want to be sucked into awkward drama that tends to happen you know? <laughs> yeah i mean so i mean how how bad were the images like were they really out of focus were they totally They're unusable very bad. very bad oh yeah bad. That's yeah and it was like a, i i feel like she said it was like 6500 bucks that they spent you know that's pretty expensive and is, they yeah. were they were soft it was like uh clearly i don't know what you guys shoot with um but in the DSLR days, the the lens calibrations, I don't know. It, mm. Clearly, the person didn't know how to autofocus. <laughs> it's its like, it's hard to describe. And um, they clearly didn't know how to use any uh, like flash, like a bounce flash or any off-camera flash to kind of augment the light. Like the, the family photos were very, the, there was clear, it was like a mix of direct flash and ambient light. Like the shutter speed was way too low. So you were getting like weird yellow casting on the skin mixed in with the flash that was being used. Just like rookie amateur mistakes like that. It was bad. Mixed in with them also being generally just sort of super soft. Like focus was definitely missing. It wasn't a matter of sharpness or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. I feel bad. Um, Because it's the kind of thing that you really can't edit back, especially when it's a focus thing. Uh, Some of the color issues, maybe you could get away with like re-editing if you had the raw files, but yeah. They were they were bad. Oh, that's so unfortunate. I feel so bad for the couple. That's... And now, but here's the thing, right? Uh, how, what does that what does that client do? Uh, I would say, mm. write a review publicly and say like, hey, these are my photos. We weren't happy. You don't have to like trash them entirely, but like, it, all too often, clients don't want to hurt someone's business, which yeah. is fair. Like that yeah. would suck uh, as a business owner to get one review can be really, really costly and devastating. Yeah, mm-hmm. but you know, you're also protecting the next wedding that that person photographs that's not in perfect sunset light, that does have, you know, rain or some issue that they don't have the technical chops to deal with. Yeah. And they're going to ruin someone else's wedding photos. Like, full stop. Of course they are. Like, that, mm. and that's so sad. And that should be somehow, you know, protected against. So, yeah. Anyway, enough about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, I mean, you've, you've had your podcast for a while. Um, have you, have you learned anything while, while podcasting? Like I, I've learned that I talk too much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, I also added our podcast, so I quickly became very sensitive to ums and ahs oh, and yeah. this little tick that I, I do this like this pre like <laughs> lip pucker thing. So sorry again for that. <laughs> I try and be very conscious of how I talk uh-huh. now. Yeah. Not so much the the amount because I just no matter what I can just talk and talk and talk and talk. But the weird ticks that can be very annoying. Uh, yeah, Nathan in particular, it's a lot of and uh, and uh, type of quirks. How about you guys? I'm assuming <laughs> yes, you've um, learned some well, sense of your. <laughs> when when we started years ago, um, shit, now I'm doing arms a lot. <laughs> You're noticing. <laughs> I'm noticing oh, all no. my, my. I'm noticing all my own text. Yes. Uh, I, I would edit all the like long pauses all the ums, all the repeating words that I would do if I get excited or nervous or, or anything. Um, now we, so was it last year? Whenever Clubhouse came about, we decided to do the podcast Mm. live. Um, and that was great. I had a lot of fun with that. Um, but it didn't quite fit in with our workflow. So we stopped doing it on Clubhouse, doing it live. However, we, like I, I really did appreciate not having to cut everything to the nth degree. Like I just wanted it to be genuine. This is what I said. And yeah, if you were live, this is what you heard. Solve it. Yeah. Yeah. And now I almost take the same approach. And especially with video, I don't want to have to keep jump cutting or all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah. Clubhouse. Well, that sort of not around anymore, right? <laughs> it, it was yeah. good for its Are time. You, it, it came around just yeah. at the right time for that <laughs> lockdown, and yeah, I would. I mean, it's, it does. It's pop- odd though. Like, yeah, so on you go. Yeah. yeah, we have a slight delay, but yeah. uh, it's odd that uh, it's it really it was like a whole new ball game in terms of a platform. Really great interface, awesome, like fun community quirks of of how you engaged with the app and all this stuff. But then it just it just stopped. It's weird that mm. that can happen. Even <laughs> in my brain, it's like, why does stuff, why does anything just become so wildly popular and then completely die? It's so yeah. odd to me. Uh, that's yeah. always been my fear with my business. It's like, yeah, I, okay. Every year I'm like, all right, this is the one where just inquiries stop. Nobody knows why. <laughs> yeah. and, or I get all my same, all the inquiries I get. Yeah. I get a hundred of them, but they're all for June 17th and I'm already booked, <laughs> you know, like that could happen. I'm waiting for that year. Uh, thankfully it hasn't quite happened yet. But yeah. It's terrifying to think about like something being so wildly popular and then gone. And it's yeah. not like, I mean, now there are other apps that have sort of uh, re remade that idea. Like Twitter has, I don't know what they call it, but it's sort of like Clubhouse within Twitter. Yeah, right. And other apps have, tr- have kind of like stolen away the feature. Yeah. But that is only recent. Clubhouse is already sort of lacking um, before then. So it's an odd yeah. thing. But it is really- you're right about the liveness. It's a it's an odd. Yeah. Um, sorry to keep interrupting. You, it's okay. But it's it is okay. an odd change mental shift that gets you, uh, yeah, allows a lot more freeform in the way with when people are listening and they know that it's live, they, I guess, give you, cut you up some slack with like uh, talking over yourself or just gaps in your logic or whatever versus when they know it's pre-recorded, they want it like tight and sweet usually. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I think a lot of our, li- a lot of our listeners as well tend to listen while editing. So it's in the mm. background and you can almost allow a bit more mm-hmm. ums and ahs and 
unpolishedness there yeah. as well. Yeah, somehow. yeah. A lot of our listeners do listen well there. I yeah. think um, you did. I mean, you mentioned th- that Clubhouse came around at almost the ideal time for the app because everyone was jonesing to be social because we were all locked down in our house. So, I mean, that's certainly why I went on it. Most certainly, yeah. To listen, to I other remember. Talk I remember and- one night open up, opening up Instagram, and in the stories panel at the very top it was like live 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 <laughs> everybody live right it was insane i've uh, never seen that and haven't really since at all it's crazy you're right there it was, was uh, just connect and, and i guess also like feel feel out people's opinions and, and mental states and, and just well, you know get a pulse on what the heck how is everybody handling this yeah yeah so you broke up you're you, you, you paused <laughs> Oh dear! Oh, have we lost Sam? Oh no, we're good. Okay. Oh no, no, no! no it looks good on my side. Oh, uh, welcome to the podcast. It's a car crash! Yay! <laughs> <laughs> um, so I would be curious to try Riverside. If it cuts out one more time, we should. Just, oh, that one would be the worst for your workflow. But <laughs> we could just pop into a Riverside room real quick. <laughs> Does you. video too? Uh, do you need to install anything? No, no, it's the exact same kind of Chrome, Chrome yeah. deal. Um, um, maybe, maybe. Um, so, you're um, a YouTuber, obviously. Where where do you find... Oh, kind of. Where- <laughs> That's the first time anybody's ever called me that. I've mostly used YouTube as a, a repository to just post videos somewhere else and, and kind of unlist it. But uh, yeah. in the past month or two, yes, I've been doing a lot more public youtube stuff yeah <laughs> i was well i was gonna i had this mental kind of brain fart halfway through my own joke that i was telling where i'm like would you i've never have you ever called yourself a youtuber i don't know if sam has actually um and then yeah i was gonna make a joke uh, a joke about how much time that you have but obviously because you're you, you've you've selected uh to have a an ai workflow You've also got loads of time, and like you, like you said earlier, you've got you've got hardly anything on just now. Obviously, because of all your cool AI shit. So, <laughs> I mean, it has been. So, first of all, I have real issues in terms of uh, keeping myself from from procrastinating mm-hmm. i also can't speak right now uh and i have noticed okay so legitimately like for sure my ai workflow for i use two different apps one for calling called aftershoot and then another one for um the actual edits called imagine i always call them imogen but they call themselves imagine ai <laughs> very uh yeah, very Disney vibe, which is great. Uh, both fantastic apps that I literally would not have been able to get through the season of shooting without them because I switched to the R3, uh, my last two months of shooting. The like, And essentially, so, since switching from DSLR to mirrorless, the capture rate, like the average amount of photos I take at any given wedding now has gone from 3,500 to 4,000 photos in my DSLR days to making the switch to Canon mirrorless, the R and the R6 averaging 6,000 photos. And now with the R3, I'm averaging like 8,000 freaking photos a wedding Jesus uh, because the, the shutters, yeah, the shutters yeah. are so quiet. They're so fast. I don't want to miss, you know, a moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just, I just full seam ahead with it. Yeah. I could shoot in like slower modes or whatever, but I, I, 
I want that speed. I want that fluid responsiveness. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm averaging 8,000 images and to have to look at each of those manually one by one, I never would have made it through. I know Mm -hmm. I would have just died, you know, along with the fact that I was shooting a lot of doubles and triples. So uh, they definitely helped, but I will say, and again, maybe this is unique to me and my general, I procrastinate because I know I can knock out a wedding from beginning to end, 8,000 photos down to 800 or so fully edited and, and delivered. I can do that in three hours using these AI tools Ooh, shit. and totally okay. happy. And I'd be more than willing to share that result with anybody that wanted to see it. Super proud of the results. I'm not like slacking off with the actual output, but because I know I can do that, I'm kind of like, I'll give it another week. <laughs> that becomes, like, yeah. I'll give it another week. Mm-hmm. Like I can do this before breakfast whenever I want. Like, so that has come to be an issue. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Uh, yeah. To yeah. be honest, like I'm just being honest here. Like it has enabled my procrastination because mm-hmm. I know it's so much faster than when I, when I know it used to take me, you know, a day or two, I've always been pretty fast, uh, in terms of manually even doing everything. But, um, yeah, when I know it's going to take uh, at least two days to really get a result that I'm happy with, I I, I grind it out. Yeah, when it's only three hours, yeah. <laughs> I'll I'll do it next week. Yeah, I'm I'm just hoping one day, one day, someone will develop some sort of editing tool so that I no longer need to edit as yeah. as much video content so, as I do because it is. Uh, Okay, video is going to take a while before we have the processing power yeah, and the know. tools. But it will it will happen, but it's going to take a while before video catches up for <sighs> sure. Yeah. yeah, especially since I think in video, I could see a lot of people switching over to shooting raw video before AI tools are really developed. So you're going to have oh, like definitely so much so much stuff to go through. Yeah. I love. I don't do a lot of video work, but I've always um, I should start with actually not what I love, but I've always hated doing video because you're locked into having to use like, like log profiles and all this stuff to try and squeeze dynamic range and color out of it. And, but I'm a photographer that shoots raw. So my brain and my workflow is always based sort of the model is set to have color adjustments and full dynamic range from a raw file. And I have loved shooting uh, Canon or they call it cinema raw light. Mm-hmm. It's very lightweight, actual raw footage on the R3. I've absolutely loved it. It has totally made my workflow in video. Uh, it's revolutionized. It's exactly like what my photography workflow is like in terms of the color grading and editing. So oh, okay. I am right in exactly what I love uh, versus before having that raw footage. It, I never could get consistency and I never could get just my, my color grading to look great. Yeah. So anyway, I could see a lot of videographers switching over to raw, but it's just a lot more data for the AI to have to deal with. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. yeah. I'm going to go back to you being a YouTuber. Just. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> I'm only bringing that back because, um, have you, have you spoken to, um, uh, Thrive Mentor, uh, Magic Su- Suwalowski? Um, he's. I know Magic. Yeah. yeah, you know Magic? Okay. I, I know have you, have through you, conferences and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Have you, because I know he's a, a YouTuber. He uh, started that maybe a couple of years ago, maybe? Just under two years, I'd say. Yeah. <laughs> his um, his YouTube channel is quite fun. I love his personality. It's rather uh, quirky and good. 
Yeah, I so that's the other problem. That's the other funny thing with me about YouTube. I I kind of hate video for learning. Uh, yeah. So anything that I'm trying to get an answer to, like I try and jump straight to articles. There are virtually no YouTubers. Like I don't sit down and just watch YouTube. Mm-hmm. Never have, and it's <laughs> never been a first resource for me to find an answer to a question because it's like as soon as you pull the video, it's like okay, answer my freaking question. Come on, I don't I don't need to hear about your breakfast. Like give me the answer. <laughs> and it's getting better about like smartly scrubbing to exactly the key moment, like. Google's yeah. stuff is getting scary good about that. That's helping. And that's part of what's convincing me to go ahead and just start with videos. But yeah. uh, so because I don't use YouTube regularly myself to follow anybody or have like a, a person I look up to is what I want to model. I, I, I generally have lagged behind and putting out my own stuff. But uh, I love magic as a person. I know he's hosted a lot of conferences and yeah. he and I were just in Puerto Rico together at the same time, uh, like yeah, last right. month, but I didn't, we, we weren't able to connect. He just happened to be uh, shooting a wedding there. And he was like, Hey, are you also here? I was like, yeah. Well, crazy. <laughs> Puerto Rico is great, by the way. It's, oh, uh, I've, I've never been. But it does, yeah. Uh, yeah. Very cool. Um, yeah. In fact, let's, let's do a reminder. If pe- people uh, haven't, book their tickets for Thrive, you should absolutely go do so right now. It's a cracking event. And um, if you're in Glasgow, there's going to be, uh, oh, I'm sure there's going to be drinks in that in Brighton as well. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> come join us for some education. Come join us for some beers. I think it'll be a, a, a damn good time. Um, and if you're like, if you like, if you are, like, what is wrong with me today? I can't even speak. Too much coffee. <laughs> I've infected your brain now. <laughs> I'm sorry. I sh- you should never talk about Terrible. like speaking quirks yeah. during an actual podcast. <laughs> oh my god! Um, if you like what you hear, you can support us on Patreon.com forward slash Perspective by Cinemate, and you can sign up for as little as a pound, and that is where we keep all of our bonus content and everything there. So come and support us if you would like. I, I will do that. I'm huge on Patreon. I back a lot of uh, Patreon creators. Probably have like 20 <laughs> that I back oh, yeah. now. Uh, <laughs> love that platform. Uh, well, I will say the platform is lagging a bit. They really need to like freshen up their some of their features. They're... Oh, God. All right. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Oh, That's okay. We almost got 20 minutes that time. We almost did. Oh, yeah. Look at that. Oh. Um, do you guys have a time limit? Do you mind if I go grab another coffee real quick? It'll take... 30 seconds. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, go for it. There's not a staircase there. He's doing that old pretend going down the stairs, isn't he? <laughs> He's just hiding behind the sofa. Five minutes later. Hey, guys. Hey. Yo. We're, just, we're just looking okay. up at Riverside there. <laughs> just, just. Oh, okay. Awesome. It's, yeah, it's amazing. I would also be curious just if it is uh, an internet internet connectivity issue, which I'm assuming it is. Yeah. If, yeah. Riverside, I'd be curious what Riverside is doing to prevent that. I wonder if they throttle, I, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. But anyway. Interesting. So, it's all good. Patreon, where was that pen? Oh, okay. Yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> Thank you for letting me go grab my coffee. Uh, no, no two problem. espresso shots back in the can. I also picked this up. Hold on. We'll get, we'll get back to Patreon, but this is uh, kind of what I was talking about. Look at this awesome bug. Oh, hang on. We need to move here. Look how, oh, oh, oh shit, uh, we're, you're pixelated, aren't you? Look how big that guy is. That's a proper bug, yeah. It's huge. So this is the kind of uh, thing I'm trying to do some like fun personal photography of. This cool. is called the Goliath Beetle. I would say that's appropriately named. Yeah. Oh yeah. I think this I think this is actually in the UK. At least it shipped from he shipped from there. I didn't. <laughs> Holy shit, I hope it's not from the UK. That thing's fucking massive. 
Jesus. Dude, it's so crazy. Okay. <laughs> so Patreon, amazing. do you guys have uh, how long have you done your uh, your Patreon feed? I think we've not only really been content. using Patreon for this season of the podcast, so yeah. less than a year. Yes. Less we really do need to to push out further, to be honest. I think, uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I will say I love Patreon as a platform, as a business model and mm-hmm. concept. They do, I think I was saying um, earlier, they do need to brush up their platform features to modernize a bit and be a little more reliable. But I will say without a doubt, so I've been doing my Patreon since like 2016. And because of, I, I will say, because of its existence, it, the way it, it incentivizes me to, it kind of puts some pressure on me to deliver, right? I have people there financially invested in supporting me because they like my ideas or they like certain aspects of my work or things that I teach. And because that's a monthly turnover of billing, without a doubt, uh, becoming aware of AI tools like Aftershoot and embracing them and seeing like I became aware of after she threw uh, one random comment on Reddit. A guy was uh, in a photography discussion saying, Hey, yeah, I'm working on this like alpha version of a calling tool. And I was like, Oh, well obviously I'm going to ask and, and feel that out because I want to know if there's a new tool that you know my patrons could actually benefit from using. Yeah, and if yeah. I didn't have Patreon, yeah, I might feel those um, avenues of, you know, new tools out a little for myself, but probably not. I probably could just kind of sit with my workflow as it is. And, you know, eventually when somebody mentions something cool, maybe I'll try it, but like it, Patreon enables me, or I should say incentivizes me to be very proactive in seeking out new ideas and, and figuring out what works so that other people that support me don't have to do all of that themselves. Like yeah. I can kind of vet some stuff for them and yeah. it's really changed my entire life and my my workflow uh just simply based on the business model again as a platform it needs work and improvement it's Mm -hmm. a big downside the longer you do it uh, the more you'll realize the back catalog is really hard to sort and organize and and there is a search box even that is a new feature uh from like maybe a year and a half ago (laughs) it took that long for them to get search and it's not even a very good search (laughs) so they need to really <laughs> spruce up like this whole back catalog that people have. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm glad to hear that you're, you're trying it. Um, a big, yeah. Big in it. So Sam, obviously we've introduced you and we've been chatting for uh, about 45 minutes um, here or there with uh, te- technical difficulties. Um, but I always like to ask our guests this question. Who are you and what do you do? <laughs> uh, I, I got real deep for a second. I was like, do I, how deep but go, do I go, go deep. I am? Go deep. No, we don't have to get that deep. Um, although I was a camp counselor in my early 20s and uh, I'll never forget one of the, like the director of the summer camp. I worked there, I guess, four summers and he always said, uh, never forget who you are or where you came from. It's like his motto. And, uh, it always, it's the simplest idea, but when you're younger, uh, and you kind of certain, oh, I don't know what the right word is for it, but certain things, phrases or inspirational quotes or whatever kind of can sit with you and mm-hmm. kind of shape your, your life, um, in a way that's 
surprising sometimes. But anyway, uh, but yeah, I'm Sam. I'm, I've been in DC. Uh, I majored in uh, computer science, got my first job as a photographer after only really shooting for fun, a lot of landscape, like macro nature stuff. I got my first job through a, a online classified called Craigslist and um, got uh, hired full time, uh, really, really not well-paid shooting press conferences and, and kind of DC news making events uh, as a staff photographer at this place called the press club. Um, that's where I cut my teeth with photography. Uh, I was their staff guy. So I was the only one I really was figuring everything out on my own. Uh, DC has a lot of freelance photographers. So a lot of the events that I was shooting in my early days, you know, I, I could be wherever I wanted. There were no restrictions on me in the space. Uh, you know, a lot of times at the press conference, if there's a high level person, you know, you can't go behind the podium or in the other room where they're like doing their VIP reception. Uh, if you're a freelancer, because you're just the public, but I could go wherever I wanted. So I kind of, uh, combined that access with also observation and, and learning kind of shoulder to shoulder with what lenses and, and tools these freelancer photographers were using. And anyway, that's how I learned how to photograph people. It's just yeah. kind of being in these really high intense press conference environments. Um, and I've uh, been shooting weddings ever since, ever since my first one, yeah. which was a coworker. Uh, she was getting married. Uh, definitely found my life's calling. I love weddings. Absolutely everything about them. I was built to shoot weddings specifically. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I'm so grateful to, to have discovered that because so many people go through their entire lives without really finding that thing uh, that is just continually, uh, it's like a, people feel burnout. And yeah, I get, occasionally I get creative burnout, but I am continually renewed every year that mm -hmm. I cycle back through shooting weddings. Yeah. It's awesome. What, what about weddings in particular do you, do you love so much? The energy, the high yeah. pressure of having to deliver uh, something creative. I do, without a doubt, my best work when my back's against the wall. It's probably a part of the reason why I procrastinate because when I'm like, I, I literally have to get this done in three hours or, you know, they're going to be really pissed. Like that's when I do my best work. And a wedding day is full of those kinds of moments constantly. So, uh, and um, I've been doing it long enough now that I'm, I actually thrive <laughs> plug for that word. Uh, I thrive and, and, uh, feel very comfortable in those kind of high stress moments, mm -hmm. which is wonderful for wedding clients because they can kind of mirror my attitude and my calmness. Uh, even though I'm problem solving like crazy in my head, my, my general demeanor is very relaxed and comfortable. And that is wonderful for wedding clients, uh, because it helps them slow things down and not be so stressed on their wedding day. And I love, bringing that energy to people's weddings because yeah. you know, it, small things can, can really throw everything off the rails emotionally, logistically at a wedding day and, and, and uh, being able to kind of correct for that back to keeping things on target and yeah, just making sure people have a great experience. So yeah. 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 Awesome. I, th I think we're the same. Well, me personally, I, I like yeah. the, the very quick nature of things like, Having worked on a few like commercial projects where I'm not the camera person, they're just so slow. Oh my god! Whereas with a wedding, oh, it's just like sure. here's the preps, boom. Here's the uh, a high emotional impact moment, and then you're off to the ceremony, and then <laughs> here's some more emotions, and then it's this and that, and you're just like, oh shit, audio, video, Greg, what are you doing? Great lights, cool. Ah, yeah. you know. And by the time you've, I don't know, woken up, your the day's over, and it's just been like. Whew, 
shit. I hope I did well. And you always do. Yeah. So, I yeah. love that. I love that feeling, like, yeah. like getting home and just like, oh, I can't, I can't wait to see what I got. And yeah. I tend to be very improv, improvisational in my approach. So I let the ideas mm. totally flow, sort of flow through me. Yeah. And I, I almost never remember like what I, what I, I might have one photo where I'm like, oh, I, I need to make sure and go look at that right away to see how I did. But yeah. really not very often. It's, it's like I forget almost everything that's happened. And then the next day when I'm sitting down, <laughs> reviewing the stuff. I'm like, Oh my God, I, I love that. I did that. Or, Ooh, that was a fail. Like, and trust me, I do a ton of shit ideas, total crap a lot of the time. But, um, you know, I, I love that excitement of kind of getting, getting through and going mm-hmm. through the editing phase as well. I love, I love editing. It's such a fun part of the process. For yeah. Me. Not, not you know, the, it can be tedious, the bulk, but the AI tools really help with that now yeah. uh, to, to recapture some of the pure fun of editing. Yeah. Uh, like in the early years, mm-hmm. um, cause it, it can get. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, when, when I, when I look at your images, that, that's what I see. I, I see a person who is having, a fuck ton of fun while they're working. Uh, but how, how would you describe your style of photography? And I know people, people don't often like being asked to describe their style of photography. Yeah, it's all good. But yeah, how do you see it? I mean, almost every client meeting, they ask me that and I'm like, uh, <laughs> look at it. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know. What do you see? It's like, I never have a good answer, but I, I will say, I mean, I don't have a concise answer, but my my general intent and where I really have fun is when I capture a couple, well, it's kind of two extremes, really. One is just pure raw emotion where I'm, I'm there fly on the wall documenting somebody, you know, truly being vulnerable emotionally with, with usually that's tears. It can also be laughter. Like when somebody is truly at their peak happiness and you see their, their little muscles squint around their eye and they're truly like, I love shooting through those moments where Mm -hmm. people are just genuinely peak emotion. That's one realm. I don't tend to show that stuff the most because Mm -hmm. I I like kind of keeping that just for my clients. Like they know what it means to them. They know what that exact moment was like. That tends to sort of stay behind the curtain. But the other extreme that I love is where I have complete control and there isn't necessarily a ton of emotion where I've kind of crafted a geometry in the composition where there's really distinct lines and shapes, mm-hmm. circles and triangles that just play with the you know little canvas that we have in our whatever aspect ratio we're shooting with. And then popping a, a couple into that fully realized idea. Um, being themselves, you know, connected with one another or just looking amazing, looking really, uh, like dignified and stoic. Like I love, yeah, base. Yeah. So my style tends to be, uh, yeah, sort of colorful and playful, uh, especially with an emphasis on geometry. Yeah. Mm, that's yeah. kind of the short end of it. <laughs> yeah. So with the images that you do tend to share, like if you're not sharing most of the sort of raw emotional images, what, what sort of feeling are you trying to invoke in somebody that's viewing your images, whether it be the client or a potential client? Curiosity. How, what's going on here? How did he do that? What, what, is, what am I looking at? <laughs> the short <laughs> word would definitely be curiosity. I want people to be thinking and guessing about what, what's going on here. Not just from a technical aspect of like, oh, is that a double exposure or a prism, but just visual and light, like play with the light. Uh, it doesn't have to be... Usually the answer isn't very complicated and it is an easily solved uh, 
answer. Like if you saw me doing it, shooting over my shoulder or some behind the scenes footage, you'd be like, oh, okay, yeah, that looks totally fine. But I love seeing that when you only have the end result shot and, and you're just like, what is happening here? <laughs> uh, that's what I like to evoke. Yeah. It's just curiosity and excitement for the craft, for sure. I, I think that leads to excitement uh, from other photographers. And that's, I think, tends to be why I shoot a lot of photographers' weddings because they um, they embrace that and want that in, in certain parts of their wedding day. So, mm. yeah. Yeah. And would you say, does that curiosity, like, do you use any sort of aids when making the photograph or does most of that come in sure. the editing process? Oh, it's a balance. I, I do try and shoot like I know I'm going to edit. So that can be in terms of dynamic range, like underexposing for highlights. So, you know, on the back of the camera, it might look way too dark, but I you know, wanted to retain things. So some of it is at edit, play, play and editing, uh, removing signs and, and stuff like that, that I know I can take care of. But a lot of it is, um, you know, I use tools like a prism or a phone screen to reflect out certain distracting things. Cause my, my Big thing in, in creating really clear compositions with playful geometry, you really want to remove a lot of context where people are just lost in a scene where it's just really not clear exactly where they are. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it can be a, a naturally beautiful place, but it could also be just like a conference room or, or something that was you know, on the face of it, very boring, but you remove all that context and just put them in a shape. Um, mm-hmm. That can be magic. And tools that help with that are anything reflective. Uh, obviously, bokeh. Uh, I tend to shoot really a wide aperture, yep. 1.2, 1.4 uh, focal length, or not fully, uh, apertures. And that can also help mask some and just turn distracting backgrounds into shapes of geometry to play with. So mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff. Um, yeah. And then shooting at night, being really comfortable with that. Yeah. You can shoot. If, if you could have the ability to turn the lights off and just throw up a light or two, you can yeah. do anything absolutely anything uh-huh yeah yeah no we're we're uh, we're big fans of using reflections silhouettes um quite, quite often we'll, we'll take a couple out and just like get a smoke grenade in the middle of the night and just backlight it and cool. just and there's some photographers who are like this is just tricks what, what why are you doing this and i'm just like well i uh, i think with our last podcast guest um, we were talking about how we're kind of deep thinkers. So I quite like mm. all this abstract stuff. And, and when I use it in context with a film, you can kind of get a little bit um, out there with the, with the meaning of, of certain shots, you know, but I won't, yeah, yeah. I won't bore anyone with <laughs> my. It's all good. I mean, life, I, I used, I used to think with creative output, you know, as an artist, although I don't consider myself an artist at all, uh, consider myself a, a creative person you can commission to document your wedding day. <laughs> it's not an artist, but, uh, but uh, as far as like what I would say is the closest thing I've done to art is music. Like that is what I did in my early years in college. What I really wanted to do as a career was uh, be a, an engineer. I had a little bedroom studio and yeah. was really in on the first wave of all that kind of stuff. Now yeah. it's like super common. Like everybody's oh, yeah. a producer. It's crazy. But um, I did maybe 15 records of like other bands, my own bands, stuff like that. And I used to think in songwriting, like, oh, I need to be really intentional about what I'm creating. Like, I, I have this emotion. Now, let me per, let me express it artistically. But what I realized now, uh, you know, 10 years later or whatever, my, the songs where I just let things flow and had absolutely no clue what uh, what I really meant 
A lot of the lyrics were just gibberish at the time. But I can look back, being very disconnected with the emotion and just looking at it on, you know, as it is, as a song, yeah. without really feeling what it was like, and realize like, it, it perfectly expressed how I was feeling without like really trying. So I don't think you have to be um, really intentional. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the insight and the meaning can come later when you yeah. interpret your own work. A hundred percent. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think a lot of artists have no idea what they're doing and kind of make it up on the go and be like, oh yeah, that's what I meant to do the whole time. Yeah. Uh, but, but no, I mean, it might be, but I doubt they were as intentional as, as they come across. Yeah. Hopefully that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, totally. I, I, I even think that's, I mean, that's one of the approaches for, for video because things change in the edit. You know, because we don't we don't totally. order things in a chronological manner. It's very much a, a, a jumbled mess if you were to look at it. But you know, the, the plays by emotion rather than time yeah. when th- when things happen. Um, so yeah, those kind of shots are often. Um, yeah. One one of my favorite directors can't remember who who specifically. I really wish I could remember who it was, but they said something that always stuck with me, and probably it does make more sense for video. Um, but it was uh, when when we're filming, when we're on set shooting stuff, that's just I'm just shopping for ingredients. I'm just gathering all the ingredients. When I'm editing, that's when I'm cooking. That's when I am creating mm-hmm. the dish. Yeah, and, I like that. You know, I might use some ingredients. I might not. Like, yeah. So uh, I always loved that sort of way of, of looking at it. Yeah, and, yeah. good analogy. You know, the, one That's of my so close cool. friends uh, is a photographer. His name is Ryan Muirhead. Wonderful photographer. He's like, that. I hate that quote. That is the exact opposite <laughs> of what I try and do. I'm like, oh, okay. So yeah, it <laughs> doesn't always resonate with everybody. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> let's, let's talk about cameras for a, for a wee minute. And as I say a minute because Simon's going to get excited because he's been pestering me to get him an R3. <laughs> And now knowing that you shoot R3, he's going to have lots of questions for you. <laughs> I, I, I do. I've got... But what I've, is oh, your setup at a wedding? R3, what lens? Yeah, uh, I use dual R3s. You son of a bitch, body. Sam. You son uh, of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I actually had a third one. Uh, I didn't realize how um, the supply chain or... Fr- oh, 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 no. <laughs> it, it heard me swearing at Sam and it was like, nope. This is a nice, clean podcast. Don't you dare. <laughs> it's okay. We're getting 20-minute chunks now. Let's, yeah. Let's <laughs> That's we'll true. This. What was the first chunk? Like six minutes? Oh, no. I thought that was it yeah. for, the whole, for the whole podcast. Yeah. And we're recording and we're back. Thank you, audio listeners and YouTube uh, watchers. Uh, again, we're living through some technical hitches. Uh, I do apologize. Hopefully, I can, I can edit it out. But if not... It'd be so you'll funny just... if this was a live stream. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Can you imagine? Jeez. So gear. Okay. Um, yeah, I didn't realize the supply chain issues and for whatever reason, uh, the R3 and, and any new camera in the last like six months is really hard to come by. But I had a third one uh, on order and just immediately sent it back because I, when it was announced for pre-order, I jumped on Adorama, B&H and okay. Amazon. Yep. So I'm, I'm getting this camera as soon as I can. And I got three of them <laughs> all in the same day. Um, so I shoot dual R3s, uh, uh, 512 gigabyte memory cards in each slot, blah, blah, blah. Uh, my go-to lenses um, really has remained unchanged the entirety of my career. Uh, mostly something in the 50 millimeter range. So right now that means I'm shooting the, the RF 50 1.2 mm-hmm. uh, L series lens. Love that. And 
uh, something in the 24 millimeter range. So I do oh, 50, wow. 24. Those are my go-to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the 24. I could shoot a whole wedding on that if I absolutely had to. <laughs> wow. uh, I could shoot a whole wedding on either of those lenses, to be honest. But, yeah. Um, That's a lot wider than yeah. and then, many photographers mm-hmm. use. That's Yeah. yeah pretty cool probably yeah yeah a lot of starvers at 35 85 mm-hmm. but the uh, 24 is just so it, it just you can say so much in that range in terms of like l- multiple layers of moments happening in a room but it's also so wide that there's a little distortion and when you get up really close in right. on a moment it feels very intimate it really as a viewer puts you in the scene yeah. like you're right there and i tend to shoot both those wide open like Almost the entire wedding day. Yeah. Uh, 1.2, 1.4. I will stop down if there's like, obviously like a bunch of family photos with multiple layers of people and I don't have the right distance. Like I, I'm not getting people out of focus, but I love the way the natural vignette and and the color renders when those lenses are wide open. Mm -hmm. Uh, Also the 24 millimeter, it's the EF mount. They haven't released a new RF version yet. Uh So you've got the little adapter then? I do. And the adapter works wonderfully. No issues. It works it still works better than those lenses mounted on their DSLR cameras. Even through the oh, adapter, wow. the mirrorless bodies are just insanely good autofocus performance. Yeah. And um, the 24 EF though, that lens, uh, I used to shoot Nikon. I shot Nikon for like my first 10 years. And I was always jealous of that 24 millimeter Canon lens because at uh, its smallest aperture, when you stop down entirely, shooting directly into the sun, you get a beautiful sun star. It's, uh, I think, six blades uh, with the aperture, and it creates a six-blade sun star um, that I just love the look and character of, yeah. and that's mm. the only 24-millimeter that does it. So that's another reason I, I love that lens. But I also own, like, every lens. So I, <laughs> I have, like, a bonus slot in my bag where I'll just bring the 28-70 to 70 F2. Like, that is an awesome lens. It's an RF mount. Yes. Uh, that's a great lens for uh, family photos in particular. Mm-hmm. So it's the perfect group shot lens ever because you have the full range of what you need. Distortion's not bad. It's 2.0. So it'll work in low light. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Super sharp, but it's a monster. It's so heavy and huge. Yeah. It looks massive. Have you, have you tried that? I mean, you mentioned shooting some video. Have you tried the 20 to 70, um, on some video? Cause I heard the lens breathes and it's a little bit of an issue, but nope. I've never tried video with it. Cool. The only video lenses I've used is, uh, because the nature of what I do is mostly just talking at the camera. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one stationary camera with the Sigma 20 millimeter F 1.4. That's my go-to like okay. wide head on shot mm-hmm. lens. Uh, it works wonderfully. And then the 85 um, RF mount 85 F 2.0 I'll use for super close up shots of like gear or whatever I'm talking about in mm-hmm. my video, but I don't do any storytelling video. So, <laughs> you know, the equipment yeah. I use for that is probably not, not that interesting or valuable. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair and then enough. I also have a couple of flashes. <clears throat> I don't do a ton of flash photography, but yeah, bounce flash. Most of the time uh, I use the pro photo a one X. I freaking love that. And then I've got a couple of Godox V ones. Those are, you know, quarter of the cost. I kind of keep them as backup. Then I've got a bowling, B-O-L-I-N-G. It's called a bowling vlogger LED video light. Uh, it's okay. like the size of an I- like an iPhone Pro Max. It's like a uh-huh. big rectangle. Yeah. And uh, it will do the full RGB spectrum of color um, with some great presets you can program in there to just jump around to whatever color you want. I use that for uh, lighting situations where I can't bounce. If there's nothing to bounce off of, I'll just mm-hmm. kind of hold that 
yeah. 45 degrees or so off with my left hand and shoot, especially during exits or something. If the oh, sparklers okay. aren't bright enough, like yeah. that is just, it's an awesome, okay. uh, it's USB-C chargeable. So super convenient. And the battery lasts a long, long, long time. It yeah. just has a really beautiful quality of light as well. Mm-hmm. That's, that can be hard to find sometimes in LEDs. Cheap LEDs tend to, they have like a weird color cast. Like you just can't ever get the skin tones to edit right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, this doesn't have that problem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very cool. So Greg, can I, can I get, can I get an R3 please? No. <laughs> what, what are you guys shooting with? What are you guys using? Um, so we're, we have a uh, Panasonic uh, S5 that we're shooting on right now. Uh, Greg has a GH5. But Simon um, used to use the uh, 1DX Mark II like, as his main camera religiously. I loved it. So that's he wants back to that autofocus for video that the Canon yeah. 1DX had. And just the, the yeah the, the shape of it, the size yeah. of it. I don't know. I know it's a lot lot. Uh, that was lighter, a gripped, gripped body, right? Yeah. 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 You can kill someone. So yeah, you thing. want the R3. Huge. I think it's pretty yeah, much yeah, the same battery, isn't it? It is the same battery. Yeah. yeah. Um, it is. Yep. Yeah. So that's cool. Although Nice my- thing though, the R3 uh, will operate while plugged in over USB-C. I thought I was going to have to get one of those for like long, longer take video. And yeah. I hate swapping batteries and you, you know, in the middle of it, you can just plug in the USB-C and it'll just keep operating. I can't actually remember. I think the R6 did not do that. I had to get like a special battery that was also attached to a, an outlet. Yeah. <laughs> it was super annoying. Ah, talking about super annoying. Six minutes. God damn it. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I had a whole load of questions about the R3, but it, I, I'm a, I'm a videographer. I, I am a filmmaker. So you're probably not going to be able to answer uh, the majority of questions. I mean, the, Probably not, but the, it, it shoots 4K raw, 60 mm-hmm. frames per second up to, and then it will do in uh, MP4 mode, um, 119 frames per second. So you can get some, it won't capture the raw footage there, but uh, yeah, I don't know. That's about all I know for <laughs> videos. <space>. Yeah. <laughs> but I shoot in cinema raw light and I just, I cannot be happier with the files. And I, I do all my editing for video in DaVinci Resolve oh, yeah. and on my MacBook Pro with the M. Pro Max chip. Oh, yeah. And it flies. I don't even, I barely have to even generate optimized media. Like, it'll just go yeah. with mm-hmm. the raw footage. It's insane. Yeah, that is crazy. <laughs> so nice. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, so good. <laughs> so, your <sighs> talk at Thrive 2022 is titled Choose AI, Choose Life. Oh, yeah. Is that. <laughs> Is that a play or a nod to train spotting? That was Lisa's title. Yeah. I should have her title all my talks. You want to hear my my title that I sent her? Uh, yeah. Uh, let's see if I can look it up. It's probably going to be the most boring thing. Like, I'm not creative. That's going to be my downfall on YouTube, by the way. It's like, I want to title a video like, this is my Canon R3 review for wedding photographers. And nobody's going to click on that. Um, I don't know if I can actually find my... But uh, she, I love that title. That's actually a really great. So my original title is The Paradigm Shift of AI and Photography. So it sounds like a science paper. Oh, it does, it's, but yeah, right. I do think we're, we're experiencing a paradigm shift. It's, it's hard to know when you're in it, but we're seeing a rise in all of these third-party applications being built around Lightroom with the presumption of Lightroom at the core of what's going to be your editing. Uh, all these you know, blogging apps, calling apps, AI stuff, like backup stuff, all of these apps are kind of being built and catering to this workflow. And that's a shame for Adobe. Like Adobe is blowing so many huge opportunities, in my opinion, to make Lightroom much more than it is. Like they should have an AI tab or something. Like there's so many things they could do in Lightroom that they're just not. They're too big a company. There's too much bloat for whatever reason, they just can't get it together. So all of these new um, tools are coming up and 
really making life so much easier. And AI, I think a lot of photographers, it so many tools not related to photography have the word AI in it, and it's kind of a gimmick. They don't yeah. really do anything to help. It's sort of a fun novelty thing. So that that's a, a lot of people, photographers, see it with a bit of a skeptical analysis, like, okay, AI, like, fine, like, this is probably a gimmick and it's not really going to do much. But I genuinely think many of these tools do help. Uh, and, well, I know it at this point. It's been about yeah. two years now that I've been using, especially on the calling side of things, uh, after shoot is getting so much better too like it that i it's amazing i emailed the creator the other day i was like did you guys push like a new update to your machine learning because i'm very i don't know if it was just me and i had a great day at that wedding but i'm getting such great results i'm not having to go double check or look at the reject pile at all everything it chose was spot on mm-hmm. which is amazing and that's just going to continue to evolve and, and get better and better as uh machine learning ai tools uh improve yeah. And it's, you know, it's actually happening even more rapidly with text. If you're a writer, uh, there's all these, you know, maybe I should say some of this for my talk, but it's happening in text first and it will continue to expand rapidly there. Then it'll be photos. Then it'll be uh, video. I think mm-hmm. these AI tools really take hold, but yeah. yeah, I'm quite intrigued, right? So you've shot a wedding or a couple session or whatever it may be that you shoot, uh, You've got your data on your cards. Can you like bullet point your workflow? Yep. For for AI? easy, uh, I still I still import exactly like I always did. So I dump I import directly in Lightroom. So I, I use the Lightroom import dialog box. I make a second copy of my raw files. There's an option to do that in Lightroom. So mm-hmm. I have my local drive raw files. My second copy. So raw files imported into Lightroom. I render up all my previews and everything. Okay, next day I sit down and I've got everything imported and backed up. I open Aftershoot. I just click and drag that folder of raw files into Aftershoot. It does its analysis. Uh, you can customize thresholds for your taste and preferences of how much you trust the app or not, uh, for okay. how sensitive it is to rejecting duplicates, rejecting blurry photos. Like there are thresholds you can adjust. So I have all that preset. And then um, I just hit go. It color codes everything. And essentially, I just use the green color for what it thinks is a keeper. I let it do all the stuff. It takes about 20 minutes now for it to call through seven, 8,000 images. It's crazy. Maybe a little longer than that. I usually yeah. leave and go do something else and drink so much coffee. Not drink, <laughs> yeah. drink. I should have. Yeah. It's not like getting drunk. But um, yeah, just go do something else. Mm-hmm. And then um, come back. Then I just close out of Aftershoot. So Aftershoot has the ability to call and make adjustments within it, but I really prefer to do that in Lightroom still. Sure. So go back into Lightroom. I resync all that metadata. So all I did was call it, color codes it, resyncs that color. Lightroom shows everything in green for what Aftershoot flagged as a keeper. So I sort by green. Mm-hmm. I manually tighten up the call with flags. Yep. Um, and once I've done that, I select everything that I flagged, send that over to Imagen or Imagine AI. Uh, that uploads all those flagged images and that sends back all of them edited. So mm-hmm. uh, where it's most valuable is its white balance and exposure adjustments. Imagen does an amazingly good job of creating a consistent, uh, consistently good skin tone color mm-hmm. at just the right exposure. It's, it's beautiful. So once I get those edits back, then I fine tune from there. 
um, just the full batch. And at that point, I'm usually like cutting images. I'm not trying to call in or double check anything. I'm just like, I'll edit it if it's good. And then if a moment is too similar, I'll cut it. Or if I just can't edit it to be good enough, I cut it. So I'm just in a reject phase at that point. Um, And that's it. So it's import, uh, run through Aftershoot, uh, tighten up the call in Lightroom, send off to Imogen, tighten up the edit in Lightroom, deliver. Mm -hmm. I mean, how much time do you save? You you briefly mentioned time versus manually to um, AI workflow. But like how much time do do you save with an AI workflow? Well, it's hard to measure uh, because it's variable. You know, some weddings are really nice, easy light all day long because it was overcast or maybe it was beautiful sunset or whatever. And then other weddings, it's like I'm battling DJ purple up lights and like crazy inconsistent. So it's really, really hard to measure. But on average, uh, I know I can sit down, start with seven, 8,000 core photos from a wedding and be done within three hours. Of, and that's accounting for after shoots time to do its thing. Maybe not. Maybe not. I, I'm trying to remember. Usually that's me sitting down and after shoot has already run through its call, okay. which does take about 40 minutes. So yeah. tightening up the call from after shoot, maybe that's like 30 minutes. And then I get the edits back from Imogen. And then it's like another, yeah, hour and a half, two hours of just playing around with editing, tightening it up and, and mm-hmm. then hitting upload. So three hours and compared to what was definitely my average before that, uh, with half the number of photos was like seven, eight hours of full on work. Yeah. With again, half the number of photos that I was capturing. Um, that's amazing. So that's a significant improvement. Damn. Yeah. And here's the thing with the edits, the imagine edits, even if it doesn't edit it, every single image perfectly or like edits a section totally wrong, it does it consistently. So, all those consistently wrong edits, you can just batch correct yeah. much, okay. much faster yeah. than having to, you know, do it one at a time. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, yeah. so if I'm looking at your portfolio, there's an array of different okay. types of images. How 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 does um, Imogen or Imagine how does it cope with all those varieties of, of styles of, of image? Um, it does okay. Some of the yeah. more creative out there photos, it, it's not gonna, it's not gonna know what to do or yeah. what my intention is. So I do take the reins and, and like you know, really take a deep dive on certain favorite photos where I, mm-hmm. you know, I had a, a lot more control. I would say the, um, what we talked about earlier where I've got more creative, um, control and direction with the client and I'm, I'm just pushing those couples portraits to be really interesting and fun that I do tend to manually edit a little bit more, but imagine is, is really most valuable for the sort of general storytelling moments where it's a more photojournalistic type approach. And yeah, it, I would say, you know, like 90% of the time my edit is just the next button. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. Like next, like that is the goal, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there's definitely the parts where it's like extreme dynamic range or something where I've got to play with gradients and, and really, you know, the AI just isn't going to know what I want yet. But yeah, uh, they're, yeah. they're working as far as I know uh, on, on somehow leveraging um, Lightroom's new AI masking tools where it can do subject detection and mm-hmm. uh, automatically do that and brighten and emphasize where it detects the subject of the photo being without you having to do it by hand. That's stuff that they're working on. It's amazing. Yeah. I mean, 
you know, these tools, AI is working its way into all kinds of stuff, like the masking tools. I don't know if you guys have played with them much, but that is a machine learning AI that is automatically masking and selecting your subject or your sky separate from the background. Like that is an AI tool. So uh, Adobe, I, I really shat on them earlier, but they're not totally dropping the ball. They are leveraging some really exciting new features, but it's just taking them a lot longer than it should. Yeah. I, I I mean we're Adobe users as well, and I was a Canon user for the for the longest time, and I just feel like you can wait for so long, so so long, yeah. and just feel like you're forgotten about. And I, like I will fucking stay with Adobe because one day they're gonna fucking turn around and they're going to fucking blow everyone out of the water. I swear to God. I honestly, I, I, I really hope, I, I hope, I don't swear, yeah. I hope, uh, because I feel like Canon did that. Mm. Ju- and I, I, I'd, I'd held on for so long and I just felt like Canon was screwing me for years. And then I went to Panasonic and then suddenly fucking R5 comes out and I'm like, well, yeah, man, fuck, <laughs> fucking, yeah. sorry. I, yeah. You know, rant. <laughs> rant. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, it's okay. It, it does always feel like you're ch- yeah, chasing the perfect camera that never seems to come about. And, you know, it's funny because the, when I switched to mirrorless, uh, it was because of the Canon R, the original R, which oh, yeah. was not well reviewed. I think a lot of the YouTuber scene kind yeah. of gave it crap because it was so, uh, it had poor video stats compared to other things. But as a still photo, if that's your primary purpose, it was, totally game-changing and convinced me to totally jump ship from Nikon and their mirrorless uh, cameras and their DSLR cameras, yeah. uh, which is crazy. And then obviously, yeah, the R5 and the R6 really changed the game. Mm. Showed that, And then now the R3. So I think a lot of photographers fear that AI is going to automate a process in a way that uh, takes away your vision and sort of makes your work a generic version of itself. Yep. But what I'm really embracing and realizing with these tools, especially with Imagine AI, is that no, 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 they build the model of how it edits based on your edits. To to build a profile with them, you send them 5,000 raw files that you've edited with whatever presets or editing style you like. And that is what they aim for as their model. It's not just they do have an option to choose one of their preset looks, but you don't have to use that. Your mm-hmm. my full gallery as I send it looks exactly my style as I intend, as I've developed and nurtured my entire career to look. It is not creating a generic automated version of my work. Yeah, uh, like I think some photographers think an AI might do. So yeah, hopefully that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, and mm. like if the AI can do the bulk batch editing to a good like good quality of your style it seems like a no-brainer because it frees up so much time to be more creative with the select few images that you want that extra sauce on it does uh, but what, what else would you say your, your, oh, sorry what else would you say mm-hmm. photographers struggle with in like adopting ai processes uh it's still not the cleanest workflow to have to jump in and out of from lightroom to another third-party app and then back into lightroom like that can be a little messy if you don't have good file management Mm -hmm. uh, and having really organized folders and awareness of exactly where your your working raw files are where your backup raw files are where your in progress raw files are where your delivered ones are like photographers you know if all that is a mess 
then it's exponentially more complicated to have to jump in and out of these third-party apps as well. Like, so I think um, that's that's a big thing. You gotta have a clear, defined workflow, with a solid grasp of where everything is <laughs> uh, before using these tools. And um, I don't know what else. I, it's it's tough because it still matters with the, how good the source material is. A wedding shot by me run through all these AI tools. Yeah, I can turn it out in three hours. If somebody gave me their photos, like somebody who's only been shooting one or two years, and I, Sam Hurd, sat down and tried to do my exact same workflow with theirs, it might take me twice that amount of time because the source material just isn't as consistent and good. Hmm. So, you know, I think a lot of photographers in their early years might lean on that as like, well, it's giving me crap as an output. It's like, well, it was crap as an input <laughs> too. So it's not going to totally make you like a better photographer or give yeah. you like the mm-hmm. best of your photos. If your photos kind of aren't that great to begin with. Yeah. Uh, so that can be a bit of a thing. And then I also think that, yeah, it, you, it's hard to know the limits of where the software is going to fail. Like there are just certain scenarios where it's not going to do well. And if you're just trying it out or you've only used it you know, twice, you might see where it messed up and think, well, now I don't trust it at all. Like I'm never, this is taking way more time to correct for mm. than, uh, than it would otherwise. So I'm not going to bother with this. In truth, it does take a little longer in the beginning to change anything in your workflow, not just yeah. using AI tools. It's going to take you a little longer until you feel out the limits of what it can do. And yeah, just kind of smooth that out. But at the, in the end, I guarantee you if, you, if you power through that growing pain, it, it will save you time. Yeah. Uh, and it yeah. will improve, but, uh, cool. Oh shoot. I was going to say one other thing, but I can't remember. Anyway. Yeah. I could talk about this all day. <laughs> <laughs> well, we won't because we'll save some of your talk for thrive. Um, th- Sam will be talking awesome. more about AI during thrive. Um, but it turns out AI, it won't be killing people and taking over the world. It will, however, be making your images killer yeah. while you kill time. <laughs> So um, if you haven't already bought your tickets to Thrive, do so right now. It's going to be a hell of a time. Um, Sam, before you go, we always like to ask our guests um, two questions in particular. Um, Do you have any book recommendations for people wanting to learn more about the wedding industry? It's about, not normal. It's about not the wedding about industry. the wedding industry. Normally, it's just about either business or about photography. I know. I, I've, I've changed it up. I wanted to get a little bit more specific. You know, most of the books that I have that are photography related are not wedding genre at all, yeah. which I find super valuable to, yes. to have exposure to um, and, and sort of fill your mind with you know, fine art and, and nature photography. One of my favorite photographers of all the time is Nick Brandt, and he does sort of like almost fine art portraiture of uh, wildlife in Africa. Anyway, uh, but my favorite book, the only one that I can speak from firsthand experience is actually Jose Villa's book. I don't know how relevant it is these days, but his book from probably almost 20 years ago, 15 <laughs> years ago, old at this point, yeah. uh, I still have and, and love to, to look through. And uh, it's, it's an amazing book. Uh, it's just very inspirational. And uh, yeah, that's the only one I think I've ever owned and, and continue to kind of browse uh, yeah. years on. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. And finally, was there another question to you? There yeah. was. No, there finally, was. for any newcomers in the industry, what's your one 
must know piece of advice for them? Oh, one thing. Gosh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I can't you on the spot. If I want it to be business related, I mean, I think the biggest value that um, like really upped my 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 business was outsourcing my website branding to someone else. I really felt like I had to do everything in, especially my branding uh, myself. So that it was like, it was me, like I was coming across, yeah, yeah. but it's a, and there's a tendency to do that in your early years with every aspect of your business, the accounting side, the like everything you try and do yourself because you can't maybe afford to outsource it or anything else. But outsourcing my branding was the number one best thing I ever did for my business because it, it gave, if you have somebody who's a professional, do that. Uh, they will make you come across in a way that you want way better than you're going to be able to. I'm not a visual graphic designer. I'm not a very visual person, which is maybe surprising uh, <laughs> being that I'm a photographer, but I suck at, at graphic design and, and all that kind of stuff. But it having a professionally branded website uh, is so critical. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of people uh, don't emphasize it enough because everything's on all the traffic and all the eyes are on Instagram and TikTok and all the various social media platforms. But at the end of the day, if somebody's going to spend multiple thousands of dollars with you to shoot their wedding, they're going to spend time still. The number one, two visited spots on my website, my about me page and my portfolio page, yep. which I almost never update. You know, they are <laughs> set in stone. Occasionally I tweak my portfolio, but that is where people go to get a sense of who you are and how you showcase your photos so powerful and yeah. hiring somebody who's a professional in that field, uh, just like you wouldn't hire a studio photographer to shoot your wedding. Probably uh, <laughs> don't hire a photographer to do your branding. Don't hire yourself to do your branding unless you're, you know, maybe you have a training in, in how to do that. <laughs> so that's what I do. Save up as quickly as you can to get a, a rocking website going. That's not based on a template and uh, invest in your business. I mean, I spent, couple thousand bucks on mine and it's carried me through for like eight years now <laughs> something like that <laughs> yeah crazy. yeah yeah that's, that's yeah. a good one because yeah. you're right like a lot of people at the start of things think oh i can't afford it so i'll just get a template and i'll make it myself but the value of investing is yeah. you'll see that value return multiple so yeah oh yeah definitely yep. yeah it's a balance though it's tough to sink a lot of money into something when you when you yeah. haven't yet started generating the money <laughs> yeah so it is a balance yeah <laughs> yeah i actually really love the process as well like when we got everything rebranded mm. you know they were asking questions that i hadn't really thought of in a lot of detail and totally yeah, it was um, makes you self-reflect yeah, it, yeah it totally but does. that's a good that's a good per- that's a good um artist or, or creative person you were working with yeah. uh there have been other photographers that i know firsthand uh, hired people that did not ask any questions. They just said, okay, do you have any favorite colors or send me other websites you like? And then they just try. And it was not, it was a very like back and forth gross experience. So, Mm. uh, you know, take some time to vet whoever you're going to use to see if they ask this insightful self-reflective questions. It's critical. Yeah. Sam, thank you very much for joining us on this podcast. Um, for people out there who want to see your work and check you out, where can people find you online? Yeah, three places. I was my website, samherdphotography.com. And on Instagram, I am a Sam. It's 
pretty easy to remember. And then uh, Patreon, patreon.com slash Sam Hurd. That's where I first share anything of high value, sort of behind the scenes. That's where it, I definitely go first is uh, my Instagram uh, feed. So um, three places where I'm most active. Very cool. Um, people can find us at cinematefilms.co.uk on Instagram and Facebook at forward slash cinematefilms. The 21st, 22nd of March for Brighton, the 24th and 25th of March in Glasgow. Six incredible speakers, shoot sessions of your favorite heroes, see them in action. You get your lunch and snacks provided, <laughs> held at some pretty cool boutique hotels. Not only that, you get a cool killer goodie bag and the chance to hang out with your industry peers for two whole days hell if you just want to do the whole tour four days you could go do brighton and come up to glasgow and see us why not that would be cool (laughs) (laughs) that would be fucking cool honestly the i know i know uh people have like a a big talk or whatever like an hour long i'm gonna do my talk about ai but the live shoots are i think the most fun yeah it's just great to just walk around and see somebody else uh go through their creative process and speak their their mind while doing it is is awesome yeah yes absolutely um yeah i mean we've been a good couple of times i mean it's so much fun as well um yeah i love it so personal recommend a personal recommendation from us um even if you're a filmmaker you should absolutely join uh this resource it is so good We hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you did, you can join us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash perspective by Cinemate. For as little as a pound, you can support the podcast, and it's also where we put all of our Q&A content, all of our extra bonus content that that we make, it lives there. If you don't have any money to give, that is absolutely fine. You can hit subscribe on wherever you get your podcasts, and we hope to see you there. For free, we really do appreciate you listening. Uh, maybe just give us a shout out um, if you like the podcast. However, in the meantime, don't just survive, thrive. <laughs>